The value of cloud has been clearer than ever this last year, with many of us working remotely and turning to purely digital to keep organizations running. But this didn't come from nowhere. It accelerated trends and put a spotlight on how vital it is to be cloud-enabled. I'm Tamlin McGee, and in this first episode of our podcast series with Accenture, Cloud Transformed, I have with me today Andrew Cole, Cloud Center of Excellence lead at Nationwide Building Society, and Orla Baker from the Financial Services Cloud First organization at Accenture. Welcome, Andrew and Orla. Hi, Tamlin. Hey, Tamlin. Hey, Andy. Today, we'll be talking about how cloud can help enterprises move faster, innovate in a way more typically associated with nimble startups, and crucially, how organizations can move to bridge the culture gap to bring together people, processes, and technology to accelerate change. Andrew Orla, thank you for joining us. First, it'd be good to talk cloud more generally. The elephant in the room is the COVID-19 response, where cloud and digital technologies have enabled us to continue in our roles. As we come out of this, it looks like many of us are going to move to more hybrid ways of working in the very near future. There's a lot of change on the horizon. What do you both think of the role cloud has played and the role it will play in time to come? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Tamlin. And I, I think certainly um, over the last year, the, the question, I guess, has had a, a more accelerated answer than if you'd asked this a couple of years ago. Um, I think certainly from, a, from an organizational perspective and a, a ways of working perspective, um, certainly the, the remote working, working from home, working from anywhere um, is, is a huge piece and being able to use uh, Microsoft Teams or, or Zoom or, or video calling, but also document sharing and uh, virtual whiteboarding and all on technologies, which are ultimately in the back end host on the cloud, whether, whether we know it or not. And I, I guess from a, from a user perspective, from a human perspective, even thinking about kind of how cloud has enabled us to pivot some of our, our day-to-day practices, some of our customer journeys and the experiences that we're so used to doing in person, uh, whether that be from a, from a banking perspective, and, and we'll probably touch on those as we go through the course of today, but even from an online shopping perspective or a, um, ordering, I, I think I was the other day I was looking at how, how, do I, how do I buy a greetings card for somebody and so used to popping into the nearest shop, right? But actually, all of that's kind of online now, and, and there's an element of, of cloud-powered technologies are enabling that, in particular, enabling new products to market quicker. So I think there's a huge piece that cloud has to play, and, and quite often, more than not, we, we won't actually know that cloud's even a part of it. But as we look at our experiences and ways of working, anything that kind of enables us to act faster, um, react quicker, uh, and, and enable us to live easier um, will ultimately uh, have rooted itself on the cloud, no doubt. Certainly, we've experienced it nationwide, you know, the way that cloud-based tooling and technology has helped us keep collaborating over the period of being a predominantly office-based uh, outfit to being predominantly home-based, um, certainly for the last year. Um, and that's both in terms of collaboration tooling, um, which all has mentioned, and also the way we organise the work we do and the way we structure the work and, you know, manage tickets and demand and prioritisation all of those tools that we use in terms of delivering change or running services is cloud-based and keeps evolving. And you can see how things are coming to market really quickly and being adopted really quickly now that really help us in this new way of working. In terms of the role it will play in time to come, I think it's going to be fascinating from both a, uh, working for an organization, but also being a consumer of cloud, the, the things that are available and becoming available I don't think we can fully appreciate all the things we need and will need over the coming years, but it's certainly clear that cloud-based solutions meet needs quicker than, than previously. And 
it's a silly example, but now that in the UK, barbers and hairdressers are open again, I needed to book my haircut with an app on my phone, which for, for anyone that um, goes to a traditional gents barbers will realise that's quite a, quite a big leap for the barbering industry to move to um, sitting around and waiting on a chair for your turn to actually booking your appointment through, a, through an app, which um, invariably would be cloud-based. I understand you know each other from the mobilisation of the Cloud Centre of Excellence at Nationwide. Could you please explain a little bit more about what this is and how you work together here? Yeah, sure, Tamlin. We established Nationwide's Cloud Centre of Excellence in early 2019, which was to respond to the need to uh, have a, a real centre of gravity or, or home for the cloud-based work we were doing at Nationwide and reflecting and respecting the huge amount of benefit we saw and opportunity through uh, an enterprise cloud solution. That was a need to move from what had been typically more programmatic style change activity to creation of a business unit in its own right that brought together a range of disciplines and areas of the organization that were necessary for cloud to be a success. So absolutely delivery, engineering and product were key to the platforms we were focused on developing, but we needed to bring in a wider range of communities and um, areas of expertise across the organization for it to be a true success. So security, risk, finance, HR, procurement, data, these are all areas that we brought together around the table on you know, long-term positions in the center of excellence to ensure that we were covering not just the necessary technical change, but also the wider business and cultural change that was necessary for, for you know, um, achieving the outcomes that we were seeking. Uh, Accenture played a key role in the Centre of Excellence with the establishment of the containerization environment that we hosted our first workload on um, through the lower environments through to production. So a great team of engineers and delivery leadership in there to establish that first uh, containerized environment in public cloud for, for a critical workload for us. And then more directly, all have supported our leadership team, uh, joined the team and brought some great personal insight uh, thought leadership and access to SMEs and intelligence from the wider Accenture organization that really helped us in those early months in that first year, uh, establish the center of excellence, um, build our capability um, and set us up for success for subsequent years. So, yeah, like you said, it's, it was brilliant to be a part of it, build it, building out the platform from an Accenture nationwide perspective, um, along with some of the other partners that we were working with as well, right? It was a multi-partner a multi, a multi environment, which was great. And I think now, I guess, as we look into the future, obviously COE's been, been stood up for a, for a while now. Nationwide have done a fantastic job of, of recruiting their own engineers and, and architect capability and bringing themselves to be self-sufficient uh, in the COE. So it, it's brilliant to now be able to continue that relationship and, and continue working with you, Andy, I guess, from, a, from an advisory perspective as you kind of evolve your COE. And I guess that's one piece that um, for our listeners today is, is around the evolution of the COE and it won't ever stand still. So um, as, as the organization maturity evolves, as the cloud adoption evolves, the COE capability will evolve. So um, still being able to be a part of that journey with you is, uh, is really fantastic. Andrew, I wondered if you could talk me through the kind of workplace tooling and network capability you introduced to stand up that remote working, how that relates to your work with establishing this cloud center of excellence. If you could elaborate a little more on that, it'd be really useful. Yeah, so I, I can't take credit really for, for a lot of the hard work that had been done 
prior to you know the early 2019 where nationwide we we'd invested in um establishing and, and um, increasing our remote networking capability and our colleague tool sets and, and capabilities so when um when we got to the point of early 2019 we'd actually established a, a great ecosystem and set of tooling to allow us to be able to um, work more remotely so obviously those are those are fundamental things that we've we've benefited from in, in the center of excellence what, what we found was that our, our ways of working lend themselves really well to not necessarily needing to be all co-located in the same physical location and then we could really leverage those um underlying you know improvements in networking remote access security tooling and even to the devices that we um we, we now have you know we've got quite modern Laptop devices have got great um, AV capability, which which is all sort of part and parcel of being able to stay connected when you're not not physically um, near each other. As I said before, we're also using some tooling that helps us share our work. So we've thankfully moved away from the sort of physical whiteboards and post-it notes and um, sort of tickets that were we used to huddle around and moved to actually we were huddling around larger screens and, and sharing our tickets, albeit digitally. And, and that meant that when we moved out of the office, all that data and all that information was still there. And I, I can imagine there's areas of businesses that there's probably a bit of a, a Mary Celeste in terms of abandoned whiteboards and Kanbans that are out there with tickets on that people are trying to figure out um, you know, what, what was physically on that whiteboard that was stood up in our office. So um, m- moving to that more digitally based way of organising the work was, was a real benefit to us. Orla, I've got in my notes here that Accenture as an organisation was about 98% on cloud before COVID hit. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as an organisation, we've we've been moving to the cloud over the last many, many years, to be honest. And um, yeah, like you said, the organisation itself is, is I think, over 98% uh, on, on cloud now uh, or cloud hosted in terms of our services and systems. Obviously, the nature of the work we do is, is fairly remote in its nature anyway. We, we work between client sites uh, and between uh, office locations and between home locations. So from that respect, uh, there was definitely, we were a, an advantage from a technology, technological perspective and a ways of working perspective. Um, you certainly miss the uh, the whiteboarding sessions in a room and huddling around whiteboards in um, in the office or bumping into people and being able to catch up, right? But from a, from a day-to-day operational perspective, we're very fortunate, actually, to be able to have, uh, have continued our work um, and continued with our systems um, based that way. We had a real opportunity as well to um, support our colleagues that were, you know, at, at the front line. So you know, I talk about the organisation moving to working from home those, those are the more administrative-based folks like myself that worked in you know, HQ or the, or the admin centres, as we call them. Half of our workforce are member-facing, so they're either working out the retail network, our branches, or talking to members directly on the phone. And when the pandemic struck, their role and the importance of the relationship they could maintain with our members became so important. You know, people were really had some serious things to deal with and that happened when um, you know furloughing was coming in people were losing their jobs um, a real sense of proper concern about you know all matters financial so being there for our branch colleagues who were the real heroes in this and our contact center colleagues and getting the information to them that they needed to manage those conversations was was really important and um, there's a great piece we were able to help with as part of a much wider team 
um, that enabled us to ensure that our members that were looking to secure mortgage holidays could actually take up that service digitally through our online channel, rather than having to go through a branch or a contact center and to book a meeting with a mortgage advisor to go through a, a process that, because it was a low volume process, wasn't one that was dealt with as a, you know, a, a material thing that needed digitization in, in the short term, but through a lot of the investment nationwide had done in terms of improving our ways of working, bringing in agility, bringing in cross-functional teams and, and having that technology underpinned by cloud when we could turn around uh, the digitization of a mortgage holiday journey within two weeks. Um, and that was a massive thing at that point in the pandemic to give people that opportunity to take a breather, at least from, from some of their payments, whilst they had to, you know, bigger things to focus on. And we were able to continue that with you know, credit cards and, and other things as, as time went by. Um, and it's not just the tech, right? It was the people. If we look at some of the conversations and some other organizations, how quickly, and e even in Nationwide, right? How quickly we've been able to release new products to market. It's amazing how in, in, that, in that time and um, in that situation, what we were able to achieve, I guess. Um, I say we, I, I personally wasn't involved in it, but, but what Nationwide was able to achieve uh, in terms of getting a new product out to market, completely digital, completely online based. I mean, phenomenal ability to leverage cloud platforms for, uh, for customer need. That's a really good point, Ola. I'm going to get to that in a moment when we talk about people and process as well as technology. But first, Andrew, I'm glad you brought up all those digitization initiatives. I wanted to ask you a question around not just with COVID, but as a huge financial institution, you're obviously subject to very stringent regulations. So I'm curious, were there originally hurdles around that kind of buy-in regarding achieving a nimble cloud-led model? How do you get around those if so? Obviously, it paid off with regards to the pandemic response, but initially when starting that journey, if you had any thoughts there, that'd be great. Yeah, so, so you're absolutely right. I mean, we're, you know, we're trusted with the finances of 16 million members um, and, and their families, you know, so there's a massive responsibility there. Um, and also, you know, being a part of the UK financial services industry, we're, we're, we're regulated as well. So I think the main point is we, we didn't look to get around things, but faced into them honestly. Took an approach where we showed maturity in what we were doing, the way we controlled our adoption of cloud the way that we considered things like resilience, um, availability, security, how our members' data would be secured was, you know, really important. So um, I think when you, when you follow that approach and, you know, we, we need to bring the organisation with us on that journey and, and, and not do it unto them, that is what enabled us to build a strong foundation for where we need to move on from. And I'm, you know, the, 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 there's definite merit in, in doing things quickly and learning and um, discovering and, and being able to pivot and, and do you know, move on. But I think also there's, um, and in, in this example, taking your time, considering what needs to be right for a very solid foundation for, for a new endeavor, and then moving forward in a considered way and bringing the whole organization with you was, was the appropriate thing to do. Um, I think there's a, the whole sort of short-term gain, long-term pain is definitely something that applies in the world of cloud. Um, I think you can turn things around really quickly if you want to, but if you overlook some fundamental areas, particularly in financial services, if you overlook your control position or your risk position, then then you will enter a world of long-term pain. So it was it that was difficult. We had to, you know, some people had to be patient. Um, we had to, um, you know, manage expectations. But I think that investment in time and getting things done right um, is uh, is paying off. 
I think meeting cloud head on for what it is is incredibly important, but I'm curious to hear how tackling this issue differed from legacy approaches to doing IT as it were. Maybe that old school understanding of backroom IT and that kind of thing. Is there a gulf of difference there? I think it was to go back to appreciating the fact that this wasn't just an IT problem to fix. This was a broader organizational challenge and a sort of collective action point. So this is why we established a center of excellence. What we didn't want was a sense that there was a programmatic start, middle and end to a piece of work that would suddenly make us ready for the cloud and operating in that way. We wanted to create a, a business unit, if you like, that brought in all of the different facets that were necessary for it to be successful. So yes, absolutely, there's huge amounts of technology involved in establishing this and delivery and product ownership. But if you don't have security at the table, if you don't have your risk team, if you don't have procurement and finance and HR and data and other key elements of the organization there as part of the solution, as part of that team, you'll end up with a kind of one side of the coin, if you like, with a, with, with a tech-heavy solution that, that maybe doesn't have the longevity or the operating fully roundedness, if that's a term, uh, that's necessary for cloud to be a success. So even in the technology domain, you know, our engineers need to be broader than, you know, single domain in terms of they need to appreciate not just cloud engineering, but networking, security, data, um, cost efficiency. Um, you know, there's, there's a need to grow the breadth of your engineering team to appreciate a wider range of things. And that's just, you know, focusing on engineering. We, we needed to make sure that the whole organization was brought into and involved in that and, and doing it as part of the team and part of a department um, rather than it being seen as a kind of uh, uh, something people were dipping in and out of uh, just to do their bit and then, and then move on to something else. So that, that was the fundamental around the COE setup, our structure uh, and the way we resourced it. I think just building on that point as well, Andy, the, um, it's often quite easy to think of, oh, you're building a new platform, you just build it with the same controls, the same structure, the same capabilities that you need elsewhere, and you run the risk of ending up building another data centre. It just happens to be owned by AWS or Azure or, or Google, right? Yeah. So actually the fundamental... The, the benefit that kind of you have from the COE perspective is thinking about the organizational and institutional changes that need to happen as part of that. So you've talked about engineering and architecture, but kind of also the, the financial changes, the, the behaviors of certain, suddenly having availability uh, of information that you can actually react on around your consumption usage or what servers are being used, what applications are being used. Do you have peaks and troughs? So there are certain days like Black Friday that you need to increase your consumption. Um, and actually having the ability to flex your systems and treat your data centers differently is a huge advantage of it. Um, similarly, being able to, to manage your change portfolio and your change profile of no longer having to wait nine months to stand up an environment. You can have one in days, if not minutes, right? So it's some, some of those things which um, I think it's really helpful to have kind of the COE mentality to be able to pull all the brains together, just like you said, from all the different parts of the organization to really think through some of the changes and adaptations that are needed at an organizational and operational level um, as you kind of move to a, a cloud-based organization. That was uh, that was really cool to see it come to life as well at Nationwide uh, and some of the conversations that we were having and, and challenging not only different parts of the org, but challenging ourselves, right, as we sort of test and learn together, uh, go through that journey. And I think it became apparent as we as we stepped out of that model and needed to bring in another team that maybe had been intimately involved up until that point, 
when, when you've been operating that way and then you step out and, and, and look at how you had been operating, it, it became quite marked that there was more to do with some of the teams than others in terms of helping them um, get up to speed with operating with more agility or, you know, being more, you know, taking ownership for things and, and, um, uh, and probably moving at a pace that was uh, previously not expected or, or, not, or not the norm, at least. And not to do down the added complexity that comes along when you're pivoting to these different forms of doing things, but people can be more complicated than the technology once you know what you're working with. Andrew, if you could talk us through some more of the cultural changes at Nationwide that ran in tandem to the cloud initiatives, that'd be useful. Maybe if you could speak to top level support from the chief operating officer or CIO on how to bring change, that'd be really useful. Yeah, so we, we were able to really capitalise on a, you know, a, a real desire from the top of the organisation through our COO and CIO to, to bring the change and run communities and disciplines closer together um, from, from, from the benefits you get from that. Um, and also uh, a real ambition to embrace more agility. Um, and um, I think that that being true from the top of the shop, if you like, meant that people felt more empowered and safer into going into pieces of work without knowing everything before you do something. So, you know, we know what our North Star is, we know where we're heading, but we're not going to dot every I and cross every T before we start. So it allowed us to get started and get moving. And we started out with, with operating model work and um, you know, taking operating model designs and, 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 and running with things that have been done before without starting from a blank piece of paper. And it also enabled us to create a safe environment to do discovery without a penalty of you know, getting something wrong. So obviously you are judicious about what you, where you take risk, but you know, we had to try a few things and realise they weren't the right thing to do and then pivot and move on to something else. If you don't have the right climate and culture and support from the top in doing that then you run the risk of sort of persisting with something because that was a decision that was made x months ago and we've got to see it through so um, that allowed us to to make some changes along the way so that that was really important we've got a, a mantra as well we're developing around in terms of great tech without an enabled and prepared workforce is no match for sufficient tech in the hands of an empowered and educated workforce and and i think that talks to the fact that as great as the technology can be, if we don't educate and empower our people to be able to use it effectively, efficiently, in the right way, then that fantastic technology is, is kind, of, kind of being wasted. And, and we could probably, with the right empowered workforce, and educated workforce, who've got the opportunity and ambition, they can probably do an awful lot more without necessarily needing all of the totally whizzy bells and whistles that might come from the most cutting edge things. So that there's a real balance there, but you're only ever going to be as successful as, as your workforce in employing that technology. And, and that's why we've put a lot of focus and effort into, you know, creating a culture where our people can be empowered, putting the, the power in their hands, um, giving our teams more autonomy in terms of how they decide and shape the work. And, and that's not just a cloud center of excellence thing. That's a broad, investment and um, uh, a ways of working strategy across the society and one that's now factoring in our approach of of being able to work anywhere so we've been quite public in our, our ambition now and our decision to say look we've we've gone through this period of pandemic in a very different way of working in terms of our physical location we have before 
um, we, we've seen good and bad out of that, but we've you know we've we've, we've spoken to our um, impacted workforce on it and, and sought their opinions and have made a decision that the work is the thing you do, not where you go. So we'll now be sort of driven by what the work is in terms of where we base ourselves rather than we have to be in the office to do all of it. And, and I think that is now going to be the main narrative and focus of our way of working about how, how do we now, coming through the pandemic, return to the office for those that need to or want to return to the office, stay at home for those that want to stay at home and do both for probably the majority of us that need to both work from home sometimes and work in the office sometimes and, and make sure we don't leave anyone behind, be they at home or in the office and the way we now communicate, collaborate and, and work together um, in, in this sort of upcoming hybrid way of working. Orla, I wondered if you could speak to Accenture's role and your commitment there. I understand you helped with upskilling and transitioning knowledge as well. So how did Accenture get involved in that cultural side of the equation? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess from a, this is probably more relevant directly within the centre of excellence than kind of more, more broadly, but um, we certainly were deeply involved in, um, in doing some of the education upskilling, particularly in the engineering space, helping to kind of transition some of the knowledge on certain platforms and the informa- uh, the capabilities that we built, but also being able to kind of ensure and enable the self-ownership of their platform in the future. So Ola, what are some things leaders can keep front of mind to assist with these cultural changes? And do either of you have any advice for removing potential friction there with that culture shift? I think cultural change is, is not only present when we kind of talk about cloud transformations, but also present in a number of different um, technology and business transformation journeys that, that Accenture support our clients with. Um, I think there's probably four, three or four key kind of messages or tips that I would I would look to kind of align against. So I think the first is around kind of communication and clarity. Um, So both of those are key for me around ensuring that you're communicating not just with kind of the top level of the organization, but actually giving really clear um, communication right through the organization on um, not only kind of the benefits, but also kind of the changes and and bringing that, that organization along the journey with you, not just kind of having it as an immediate message and then expecting the organization to follow. And with that, I guess it's continuous communication. So it's not just saying it once, it's saying it twice, it's building it into kind of the breadth of uh, of the, je- the journey uh, and accepting that it probably won't happen in a flick of a switch. The next piece on it, I guess, would be around aligning on the ambition or kind of the North Star target of what you're trying to get to, being really, really clear on what that is, but also kind of accepting that there will be incremental change on the way. Um, it's not going to happen in a big bang journey. Culture change doesn't happen overnight. And it's all through kind of demonstration and learning and being able to see it in action and then building on that. It's almost like a snowball effect of little incremental changes building up into the overall kind of cultural change a- a- across the piece. I guess linked to that, there's a piece around motivating your, your people, right? Your colleagues for the future. So what, what could the future be for them? Not just in terms of kind of the organization, but their own personalized context. So what's the personalized message for them? What does it mean for them as an individual? What is for their career path? What is it for them as part of the organization? And how are they representing the cultural brand that you want them to, to represent? So I think that's really, really key. Um, and then I guess finally with it is, is know your weaknesses as well with it. Don't expect to be able to kind of do it all yourself. There are areas that you might need to ask for help, not just kind of from third parties, which is kind of one thing, but also within the organization, there might be other areas and pockets of your organization that are doing this really, really well and have kind of pivoted towards um, cultural evolution kind of better than uh, 
uh, better than some areas. So why not use that uh, and leverage on that and, and know, know where it might not be going right or, or might not be going as quickly and being able to kind of leverage and pivot around that. So yeah, they'd kind of be my, off the top of my head, those would be my tips. I'm sure there'll be a few others that Andy can, uh, that can prompt me on, no doubt. No, I, th- I think all is covered. Most of the topics I had jotted down here, you know, in terms of not expecting things to happen overnight, being really clear on communications and vision. If anything, I'd add around our leadership, you know, if it's advice to leaders, is walking the talk. So um, be prepared to do the things and, and, and live the things that you're asking your teams to do. I think that's really important in any cultural change. And it's one of the things that worked really well at Nationwide was seeing our leadership embrace being there to support us, being there to, to help when we, when we ask for help. As Orla mentioned, you, know, you will need help on this journey. So, 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 so ask for it when those times come up. And um, they were there to support, and, um, but they weren't in the way. I think that's a really important uh, thing to do in, in affecting that change. Yeah, definitely, Andy. And actually, you've, you've triggered my brain on it a little bit as well with something that worked really nicely uh, at Nationwide is the, the culture and um, leadership behaviours of being okay to fail. I say fail very loosely, right? But in terms of not being afraid to admit when something hasn't quite gone right and actually being able to share your learning and, sh- and share your piece around it and, and being able to kind of test and learn from it because it enabled you to actually move at a greater pace particularly in the mobilization of the COE, I thought was was really, really effective, actually, uh, and making it a safe space, exactly as you said. So, no, it's really cool. I guess somewhere that continuous development and improvement piece is especially relevant is in safety and security. Andrew, I wondered if you could speak a little to how this shift in cultural mindsets can relate to cybersecurity and customer safety. Yeah, absolutely. So security of our members' data, their financial records you know their their identities obviously something we take incredibly seriously so um, I think what you will appreciate from a move into cloud-based solutions is um, the access you have and the investment that cloud service providers place on security um, of their their customers data and it's a you know it's a level of investment that they make that is is truly material that said you need to be able to configure your solutions to embrace that security and, and remain secure uh, and keep secure. And, and therefore, uh, as I said about the establishment of the COE and the teams we brought in to core, core to that operation, uh, security was a fundamental element of this. And, and, and um, I've been with us you know, right the way through the journey and continue to be in our security operations area, have some, some fantastic tools at their disposal to to keep us secure, but also their their practices, their discipline, the people themselves are are the fundamental element of um, ensuring that our um, our workload secure and our data secure. I, I think from a, a safety and security perspective as well, and you know, it's it's hard not to talk about COVID for our people as well. There's been um, you know a, a lot of uh, a lot of focus on making sure when everyone was distributed that we were keeping in touch. Um, that we were managing workloads um, in the early stages. There was a lot of hero culture, you know, long hours, back-to-back team meetings, you know, things that weren't sustainable. So um, I think from a, from a safety perspective, I take it a, a bit broader than the, than the data and the, and, and the digital side, but also we wanted to make sure that our teams and our colleagues were, we understood if, uh, if they were struggling at all. 
um, were there to help. And also, you know, as we go into this hybrid way of working, we've got to continue to focus on that and how we deal with communicating as a distributed team um, and picking up on things that are difficult to pick up on if you're not in the office. So we'll have covered a bit of this already, but if you had one key lesson you wanted to tell from this journey you've taken together and even from COVID as well, what would it be? I mean, I think my my biggest takeaway, and you're right, we have touched on it slightly, but my, my biggest takeaway would be to not underestimate the amount of engagement that's required from across the organisation. It is not about putting a technology pr- uh, platform in place in an ivory tower, sticking it there and expecting everyone to use it. It's all about engagement across the organization from the business to finance to capability partners to to your end users and to everything in between right as well as your architects and your engineers who are kind of setting up the platform itself so I think it's a it's thinking about it as an enabler for modernization of the organization and not about it being just a cost-saving platform or just a technology platform because if you think about it just in those terms you're never going to reap the benefit of it overall and you probably won't actually even embed it effectively in the organisation. So um, that there would be my kind of major takeaway from it in terms of lessons or uh, lessons for others going on a similar journey. I don't know, Andy, I don't know if you have a, a similar view or or something else from it. I, I 100% agree with that view. Um, absolutely. I'm, I'm nodding violently here. But um, I, I guess if we get to pick one each, I, I won't duplicate yours. So we'll, we'll bank that one. I think in affecting this sort of enterprise change, particularly when you've got cultural change required, irrespective of your role in it, you're going to need personal resilience. Yourself, uh, in your teams, your leaders, your sponsors, your customers, you're not going to make everyone happy immediately. Some people you might not ever make happy. Some people might need to wait a little while. And some people, the happiness might come from things they weren't expecting. It will be uncomfortable. You'll question why you're doing it sometimes, I'm sure. Um, but like anything that's got you know, a massive reward or massive benefit, it's hard work to get there. But when you get there, the reward is well worth it. So I think you need to, you know, if you're about to embark on or in the midst of a cloud journey, just think about how you and your teams and your leaders and sponsors and everyone involved can, can keep that resilience because um, it's, uh, it, it's not a quick fix. Um, and uh, you, you need to stick with it. If I had a, if I had a, if I had a two point one, I'd say get your FinOps leading early as well. They pay for themselves very quickly, um, particularly if you're, you know, moving large large amounts of data into the cloud. Um, I would not delay finding someone who can span the world of um, accounting and technology uh, and uh, clouds and, and find your FinOps lead early. You, you, you won't regret it second that entirely and i mean i remember the conversations we had about that early on right um so it's good to uh, good to see it's a good lesson as well absolutely that's great Thank you so much for your insightful responses and your time today andrew and orla and thank you to our listeners for tuning into this podcast nationwide is still hiring for its cloud journey and you can see career opportunities for yourself at nationwide-jobs.co.uk and if you'd like to learn more about careers in the cloud at accenture head to accenture.com forward slash cloud careers To find out more about the power of cloud, don't forget to listen to the other episodes in our podcast series.